All right, my people, it is time. Episode 8, Unnecessary Rambling. It is here, ready to go. Big show, three games to dive into. Um, so some topics to discuss. We got a big show planned for you today, so I am pumped. Thank you all so much for stopping by and uh, taking the time out of your day to listen to my ramblings. We have a, a weird situation on on the on the show today where I put up the community poll for allowing you to vote for the final topic of the show and we have a tie currently it is currently tied between the top 10 ps4 games my top 10 favorite ps4 games and the uh 10 remakes that i i I want to see you know delivered to us soon so i i was thinking like what the hell in a situation of a tie what, what what what's the move there so my first thought was okay cover one topic this week and one topic next week. But then I was like, well, that's kind of a bummer because I wouldn't, that wouldn't allow you guys to have a vote for next week. You know, you wouldn't be able to vote on the final topic next week. And I was like, well, that kind of, you know, that, that kind of sucks. I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I want to each week have you give you guys something to vote on. So uh, I figured we would just, we, we will dive into both of them. Those will be the two final topics of the show. Dive into my top 10 PS4 games, top 10 uh, remakes that I want to see, and and we'll close off the show with uh, both of them. So in the in the case of a tie, that's going to be the move going forward. We'll, we'll just cover both the damn topics. And, um, and, and you guys will have a, a fresh poll of four brand new topics next week because the, the idea has been anytime you know, I'll run a poll and then whatever comes in second place, I move that on to the next week's poll and you can vote. And you know, if it's a close race, like this one would have been, you can vote on like, let's say top 10 PS4 games one, you could then vote again on top 10 remakes. If that's something you really wanted to see covered on the show. So that, that was kind of the idea to give the second place finisher a chance to, you know, uh, redeem itself a chance to, to win the next vote. If it's something you guys really wanted to see. So yeah, the, the, uh, in, in a situation of a tie, we'll, we'll run through both the topics and then the, the next poll will be four brand new topics because there's no second place finisher, but that is the idea there. So a real big show, uh, a real big show to get into. So I'm not going to waste any more of your time. Um, uh, the the I, I do want to say the live stream. I, I, I <laughs> tried doing a live stream, ran into a bunch of technical issues. And my internet's just not, it's not live stream capable. I, I, a lot of audio issues, a lot of, of echoey, choppy audio and it was, it, it, it was fine. It wasn't horrible. Like it was serviceable. So what I did do was I took the Microsoft Activision acquisition clip. It's like a it's like an 18 minute segment. I, I clipped that out and I'm going to use that in this video. So if you hear a little bit of an audio dip from this recording here to when we start discussing that, it it's because I, I clipped it out from that live stream and it's the audio is not going to be quite as good as it is right now, but it's, it's not horrible. I, I listened back to a good bit of it just to make sure it was, it was serviceable and it, it's decent. It, it's passable, I would say, but I, I want it to be better than passable. So going forward, I'm not 100% sure with unnecessary news because I wanted to, I really wanted to do a live stream segment for it or a live stream format for it because 
I just, it's a time thing. You know what I mean? Uh, live streaming is the quickest way to get out content. Um, less you, you kind of know going into a live stream that it's not going to be highly produced, highly edited, all that shit. And I, I like that, you know, I like, I like having people's expectations set at that bar of like, okay, you know, it's going to be just kind of shooting the shit, going through the topics. Whereas if I do it remotely, I know that immediately in my head, it's going to be like, fuck it. I got, I got to do some sort of editing, spice this up a little bit, throw some gameplay in here, throw some trailers in here. And I, it's just a, it's a time issue there, but I, I do want to figure out the, a way to do that because it just, in the case of a big news week, it just makes these, uh, the weekly shows of unnecessary rambling, you know, two plus hours. And I, I don't want to have two hour plus shows of just me solo fucking rambling about shit. So I want to figure out a, a good format for unnecessary news. And um, I, I, I'll be working on that, tinkering with that a, a little bit to see if I can, if I can figure something out that's up to the, the level of quality that I have, you know, in mind for, for these shows without the technical issues and the audio issues and, and all that shit. So I uh, stay posted on that, that that is not out of the picture entirely yet. That will come to fruition at some point, but for the time being want to keep the, the quality solid with these shows, keep diving into the games, talking the topics and all that good shit with you. And, uh, and yeah, so just a, a warning whenever it gets to the news section, talking about the Microsoft Activision acquisition, the audio will take a, pretty noticeable dip in in quality so just want to prepare you for that all right so now it is time to talk about what i have been playing and i feel like we got to kick it off with the big dog star wars jedi survivor and before we we get going on this because this is become a very controversial very uh contentious sort of uh, supposedly the performance, and I, I, I'm not saying supposedly dismissively, or like I, I have seen clips of this game running on PC, and it looks atrocious. It looks god awful. And you're EA, you're a billion dollar publisher. You got to do better. That's crazy. It's crazy. Nobody, and I, I've seen people saying, you know, they're running it at fucking the the. They got like the the best damn PC specs on the market, and this thing is still struggling just like dead space was awful on pc um another ea published title I, I don't know what's going on in the water over there but some serious issues it, with EA, there's been serious issues in general with pc games this year I, I i i obviously it's going to be easier to develop for one specific console or even you know for, for the case of ps5 xbox series x and s like you only have three SKUs to develop for opposed to fucking five thousand for the different pc SKUs that you're you know this game has to be functional for all these different uh, variables i understand that there's a level of challenge and difficulty there getting all of that up to speed and running properly but your ea come on man it shouldn't have released in that state on on pcs and and powerful pcs struggling to just get this game looking and running functionally it, it that's awful i've seen some people even say that their console versions are a little bit busted i i've seen the term thrown out of game breaking bugs a time or two and i just got to say 
in my experience, zero of that. I, I've had technical issues for sure. Like very minor, uh, to me, like non-issue technical issues, not things that will lessen my experience or deter me from playing the game at all. Um, I, I will say the it, inexcusable for you to release a disc that has 60 gigabytes on the disc to begin playing it and then an extra 100 that's like a mandatory online download you know you you have your 60 gigabytes that you can download offline and then you have to have internet access to uh, download the extra 100 gigabytes to play the game D just fucking uh, make two discs like red dead and then cyberpunk and uh bringing up cyberpunk that is one thing i want to be very clear about but uh, all of my complaints i and everybody's complaints about this game i feel are very justified it's not a cyberpunk situation, not on console. Uh, PC seems to be awful, but a lot of PC games seem to be having serious problems this year. Dead Space, another EA title, struggled its ass off to, to, to run on PC. There's been a lot. The Last of Us. PC is really, really struggling in, in 2023. I, I don't know what the fuck's going on there. I don't know if publishers have just like given up. On which I I know that's not the case, but something is is uh, amiss in the world of of PC game develop development. I just don't I don't know if it's like a way a lesser priority than the console skews, but yeah. Um, it, bringing up Cyberpunk just a second ago, I want to be very clear. My experience, even when I was playing the base game the because you you have like the 60 gigabytes where it's like okay ready to go at 60 and then you have to download the extra 100 for the fucking day one patch and the rest of the content yada 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 the 60 gigabytes was like the 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 regular base game that you can download offline nothing close to a cyberpunk situation the game ran okay i could have played through if the game ran at, at that uh, if, if the game functioned at that level for the rest of the experience, I wouldn't have been too bummed out. Yeah, there was definitely some major frame rate droppings. There were some major pop-in issues that were occurring, but nothing like... I experienced nothing game-breaking. But, to be clear, I played the base version of the game uh, Friday night. I didn't have a ton of time to play Friday. I ended up having to work really late. So I only played a little bit of it, went to sleep, downloaded the patch, uh, overnight. And then the next day the game was running much, much better, much better. I ended up switching it from performance mode to quality mode and it made a, a humongous difference. And, and obviously you guys will see the, the gameplay that I record. I, anytime we, we do these, what I'm playing. So I, I have the gameplay capture running. And so you'll, you'll see it running on, uh, the, the quality mode opposed to performance mode. And it is just a very, very smooth, stable 30 frames per second. Um, I don't, I'm not a big frame rate snob. I don't really care a ton about that shit, especially for a very cinematic, uh, narrative-heavy third-person action-adventure game. I'm not a big framerate snob on that at all. Would I prefer to be playing at 60? Of course. I think every game, or 90% of games, run much better at 60 than 30. But I, I 
you, you'll you see the gameplay running. I think it's it looks damn good. It's running damn smooth. Sure, I'm still seeing some, some minor pop-in issues at times, but the frame rate inconsistency has totally uh, leveled out, and it is running very, very smooth on the quality mode. So for those of you who are not uh, frame rate uh, aficionados, for those of you who don't really care about that stuff too much, I would probably say going with the quality mode might be a better option. Okay, all of that out of the way. A, a shame on EA, I, I grant you that for sure. This is unacceptable across the board for not having the, the full game on the disc, for not you know uh, having a, a damn good version of the game running on PC. I, I, I give you that. But I gotta say... I am about eight-ish hours in. This is all I want to play. This is all I want to play. Every time I'm not, every moment of the day that I'm not playing this game, I want to be playing this game. It is fucking amazing. It is this epic Star Wars adventure. It, the cinematics are so good. It really feels like you're in a Star Wars movie. It is the production value has increased drastically from Jedi Fallen Order. Like, you can tell Respawn is really working with a budget for Jedi Survivor. And you are feeling like you are in this epic Star Wars adventure and getting full control over the, the adventure that you're embarking on. It is a magical, magical game. I adore it from the the puzzle solving and the intricate puzzle solving the the detail that is there and, and how big these expansive areas are that you're going off and you know you have like a little rumor quest that you meet someone in the town and they go off and they tell you hey you know there's this this mining area with a bunch of troops who seem to be guarding valuable assets over there so you go off and you find the the area that they're talking about you explore it you take out the you know you take out the different troops you take out the different guards and then there's this intricate layered puzzle that spans like a huge section of the map that you're you're traversing between you're doing the you know you're running up the sides of the walls you're pulling the rope to you to get to the next level and you you have like um a, a new grapple gun that'll allow you to reach uh you know further away destinations that you couldn't reach before so that becomes a, a new added layer into the maneuverability of Cal Kestis and see you have the like you you can customize Cal in Jedi Survivor. So you you as you're going throughout the game and exploring these different locations and you know finding the different chests and you you're gathering shit out of the chest you get a, a, a bun that you, you can put Cal Kestis hair in a damn bun you can get a big old scraggly beard or a mullet and you have different parts that you can get for um what is it a, a BB8 uh, I believe is the name the the little um the little droid character that comes with you, so cute. You get to customize him, pick out the different colors that you want. You know, you want to paint him a different color. You got all the different skews there. Uh, there there's more like, it's not just all ponchos for Cal's appearance. Now you got shirts and you got pants and it's, it's just so much more your version of Cal Kestis. And I, I really like that. I like being able to kind of customize the version of Cal that I want. You also have different stances 
in Jedi Survivor. So I've been just dual wielding. I got my I got my two blades. You get that from the the first boss of the game, which the first boss excellent the way that it sets up narratively to for, for those of you who played the first game it's a great continuation there some some good uh closure a good uh, i don't want to get too much into it i really it's crazy that the beginning of the game there's like humongous spoilers because i captured some footage of the beginning of the game because i was like usually that's a, a good go-to to avoid major spoilers to to throw the beginning of the game on there you're seeing kind of the introductory moments and the the tutorial process the layout of the the uh control schematics and all that shit at the beginning of of Jedi Survivor you're thrown in man you 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 seriously have like big character arcs that are are continuing over from the first game and new characters who you know, like, like big, big moments popping up there. So I ended up just going with, uh, like, I, I actually record the gameplay that I recorded is from this morning. So wherever the hell, I think I'm like seven hours into the game. I tried to just record something that wasn't too spoiler heavy. Um, it's just kind of some battles. It's, it's really not even the best area for uh, the gameplay to, to be recorded from because it's not as like, it's not as flashy looking. There's some very flashy, just awesome ass settings in, in Jedi Survivor that I've already experienced. And then uh, next week, I'll make sure that the gameplay I record is, is really like uh, one of the better locations, like the, the most fucking, you know, futuristic sci-fi locations in the game. But yeah, it's it's just been an absolute blast i love the combat like i said i got the the dual wielding from the the first boss encounter i you get the dual wielding lightsabers and i've just been upgrading that going in and upgrading my uh survivor uh capabilities my survivor abilities trying to max out cal kestis's fucking you know health meter going around to the little health um I don't even know what they call it, but they got these little, uh, your, your stem packages that BB, that the BB eight gives you and you can like inject the stem to boost your health. They had these little chests that allow you access to uh, more stems to, to where you can like hold BB eight can hold more stems for you throughout the game. And each time you access it, like you go from, okay, you have two stems on hand at any time to three to four to five i've been going around trying to find as many of those as possible just so i can you know go into battle ready to go prepare because it is you know it's the like like i said that first boss fight it's like oh shit yeah this is this is legit you know it's not punishing on the level of a souls game or anything like that but it takes inspiration from those souls mechanics and some inspiration from like a light degree of the difficulty if you're just playing on like the medium normal setting like it's not punishing on that level but but there are like there's a uh i forget the raken raycon something uh, you you find him down in in a uh, uh you found him you, you find him down in this this location where you're going off and doing a side quest and it's punishingly difficult super super difficult that boss encounter so there are those moments of of like real deal difficulty but the the main story the base story that i've played so far you you can get through it fairly easily um you have new allies assisting you in battle so it's cool to see another person fighting alongside cal 
in these big battles and, and you know just the, the the simple satisfaction of pulling out your saber parrying at the right time as a droid shooting at you you parry just at the right time the lightsaber you know deflects the bullet or deflects the blast shoots it right back at the droid takes him out one hit going in and parrying at the right time whenever you have like a more powerful enemy coming at you and it stuns them and you, you do like a I, I unlocked this ability to where you press square once and he does his like normal blast and then you hold square and he does like this supercharged hyper fast fucking movement with his lightsaber just slashing through the enemy and then he does a very powerful like slam to 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 finish him off and do like getting that parry at the right time and kind of being on on a, on the lower end of your health you're out of stim packs but you just you you parried right at the right time stunned the enemy a little bit and then you just do that super fast fucking attack that you unlock from the skill tree it's just so damn satisfying i love the adventuring i love the the platforming i love this story so far there was a moment in this story I'm telling you, man, and I'm, I'm, let me, I should have prefaced all this. I'm not a Star Wars aficionado. I've watched all the movies, but I don't watch the TV shows. I don't watch the, you know, I don't read the, the books or the comics or whatever. Like I, I'm, I'm a very base level, like basic bitch Star Wars fan. I, I don't have all the knowledge in the world about this franchise, but I will say there's a moment in this game that rivals anything I've seen in the movies, anything the the way it's set up the the production value for this one specific moment the animation though the way that the characters are are presented it's so fucking visceral and and when the moment happens it's just sold and 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 told to you so well that you're you're like it's one of those goosebump fucking on the edge of your seat moments that that are are so so rare in any you know any form of storytelling, and for it to be done in this game and to have like what I really do consider an all time great Star Wars moment, it's it's awesome. And and just in terms of the cinematics, the storytelling within the cinematics, they're so so good. They're so good. It's top notch, man. It's it sucks to have to compare things because like for sure no the the uh, production value it's not the last of us it's not god of war it's not going to be polished to that state but it, it's like the one tier right below it right below it in terms of of the production value in terms of the cinematics and the character the facial models and animations and yeah it's uh you're, you're not going to jump into this game and have a totally unscathed totally clean polished run through it like it's just very unlikely to happen anytime soon but the console version the playstation 5 version that i have been playing for the last eight hours or so especially after the day one patch has been very very great like very very great i can say definitively without a doubt at this moment right now this is far and away better than Jedi Fallen Order. And I'll also say this. For those of you who don't remember, Jedi Fallen Order was really, really rough uh, performance-wise as well when it when it first released. A lot of bugs with Jedi Fallen Order. I have not run into nearly the amount of bugs that I ran into with Jedi Fallen Order as, as uh, 
yeah, I have not run into nearly the amount of bugs in Jedi Survivor as I did with with Jedi Fallen Order. Not even close. And and I, I didn't even think Jedi Fallen Order was like a, a drastically just awful, unplayable experience or anything like that. It was just, it was mildly buggy. I, I In my experience, once again, Jedi Survivor is much less buggy than even that. So, you know, take that for what you will. Everybody's experience is different and I'm not trying to sit here and... and uh, I'm not trying to sit here and defend the state that the game was released in for, for PC, but I, I, I'm just giving you my experience. My experience has been really, really great, and I am loving, loving this game. Getting the, the flying mounts and, and traversing that way, getting the rideable mounts, traversing that way, seeing these vistas, seeing these locations. It's a it's a spectacle. It's a Star Wars epic adventure and getting to play it in video game form and also how fucking lucky are we in the year of 2023 we have hogwarts legacy an epic incredible incredible video game star wars jedi survivor epic incredible video game and we're gonna get spider-man 2 likely like what a great year for licensed video games uh, we used to never get shit like this back in the day and yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm pumped, man. A great great year to be a fan of video games. And another one we talked about Dredge last week, sneaking up there into my game of the year charts. Jedi Survivor climbing up those charts. I'm not gonna make definitive claims at this moment because I haven't finished the game. By next week, I should have finished the game, and I will. Uh, I'll tell you guys. You know, I'll, I'll let you guys know where I'm at on it next week. Right now, where my brain is, absolutely. A game of the year contender, absolutely. Up there, up there, up there. And if it continues at this clip, very much, very much up there. I don't see it at the end of the year at the Keeleys winning uh, the Game Awards. I, I don't see it winning Game of the Year, even being nominated probably because of the state that it launched in. But for those of you who are going to play this thing on console, I, I on PS5 specifically, I like I said, I, I'm, I'm playing it on PS5. I don't know what the Xbox performance is. I'm sure it's uh, similar to PS5. And for those of you playing on, on Xbox and PS5, I think you're going to, you're going to have a damn good time. For those of you Star Wars fans out there, I, I'm really pumped to to hear your thoughts on this game. And if you are playing it, if you are a big-time Star Wars fan, and, and hit me up in the comments. Even if you have a different experience. like I'm not, Once again, I'm, I'm always open to uh, hearing other people's thoughts and, and perspective. And like I'm not saying my experience with this game is the one and only definitive fucking experience. I've seen many other people who are saying that they're having a real rough go with it. But for me, I got to say, I, I am not at all. Um, looking through my notes here to make sure I haven't missed anything that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I will say this. I will say this. This is my one big complaint with the game. I do think that the map still kind of sucks. It sucked in the original. I think it still kind of sucks in this one. I get it. There's this new trend of no markers on the screen telling you where to go because hardcore real experiences, brother. Just give me the option. 
Just give me the fucking option to put a marker on my screen or have a little fucking, a little compass, a little, you know, sort of uh, navigation system that just pops up on my screen where I can kind of, you know, uh, the fun of the game for me isn't really figuring out where to go. It, it, it's seeing what is there when I get there. You know, that that's really what I enjoy. I, I don't, I don't really share those sentiments of like the, uh, the the fun of the game is the 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 sense of wonder and the the exploration when you're not knowing where you're going. Like I can get those same feelings knowing where the fuck I I, I want to go. And then whenever you get to like a puzzle solving situation, you obviously can t you're not going to tell people exactly where to go to solve the puzzle. Like leave those things up for interpretation and up to to people to to solve and figure out on their own. But like just getting to the next point of the story, like. Come on, man. We we don't we don't. Not everything has to be fucking Breath of the Wild and Elden Ring. This is a cool ass Star Wars game, fun ass third person action adventure game with some. It's it's bigger scale. It's a bigger scale world, but it's not an open world. It it, it it's linear enough. You know what I mean? Throw a damn, throw a marker on the screen and give people the option. You know, everything's like this. This uh, everything is becoming more and more accessible. Yet they're the features like that are being removed and it's like that's a pretty fucking core accessibility feature uh, i would say for uh, and maybe you can argue that's not necessarily accessibility that's just a preference but for me i just like having it i, I, I just like having it there don't get me wrong i wander around so much in jedi survivor just fucking around just going off meeting a meeting a random stranger they tell me about oh i heard something's over there uh, you know you get this beautiful view if you go and then check it out over that way and I'm, I'm going over just checking shit out looking around like having a great time i i, I it's not like not having those markers on the on the screen is preventing me from having a great time with the game it's not that big of a complaint but it is i would say a, a fairly uh like I would, in my opinion, that's a, a, a legitimate complaint that I have with the game that I think it, if that option was available to just have a little waypoint on your screen, I think it would drastically improve my overall experience, especially when I want to do the, the linear uh, main path of the story. Whenever I just want to explore cool i don't really need it but when i get when i get to the main path of the story i do think that that would uh having that functionality having that just that option would would improve the experience quite a bit for me so i i do want to throw that complaint out there also want to say there is a villain named uh ravis i believe revis ravis excellent excellent voice acting so good cannot wait to see where the journey ends up uh, taking me with that character because I can tell he is going to play a very pivotal role from from the moment I met that guy I was like this motherfucker uh, I, I, I'm keeping my eye on Ola Ravis there he, he god tier voice acting so I, I know that something big it has to be coming down the line with him um oh they have like a you, you get to recruit for this this little outpost so you can bring different people. You go off and you do like the side quests. And if you help the, the people, you help the characters, you get to bring them back to this outpost. And you are building up this outpost. Like I, I went and met some people and now they have like a little card game going on at, at this uh, at this saloon that, that we're building up. And I went up and I'm, you know, when you go and 
you you can find different plants and shit and you like slash the plants you get the seed you can go up to the top of the saloon and plant you a little garden up there and uh i found a guy who he he's he has some sort he's like running an aquarium at the saloon now went and found him did a mission for him helped him out he's running the damn aquarium at the saloon cleaning it out it's just it's it's little fun little things like that where you you go and find this one droid and there's these uh data discs that you find out in the world and once you meet this droid, he comes up to the saloon and he opens up a shop where you can trade the data disks and, and get, uh, you know, rewards in return for the, the negotiation with him. And it's just like, I don't know. It's so much more lived in. It's so much more involved. There's so much more going on in, in Jedi survivor. It's just, I would really like to see the budget difference that respawn had for fallen order versus the budget that they had for a uh, Jedi survivor. I, I, I would not be surprised at all. If this is like an extra hundred million dollars on top of the first game, this is legitimately a humongous triple a video game with so many moving parts going on. And you're talking about all your force abilities, all your lightsaber abilities, all those different traversal abilities, and then having the, the town building fucking section added in there on top of the top tier cinematics on top of the top tier voice acting. It's, it's great. It is really, really great. This is like what triple a games, uh, this is what I want from them. You know, this is what I want. And this is what I expect top fucking tier uh where you feel the budget when you're playing this game you feel that fucking budget when you're playing this game so uh it's great it's absolutely great uh, once again my experience has been wonderful i i do not discount or discredit the many of people who have had a rough experience specifically the people on pc so it, i also finished Dead Island 2 last week and I don't have a ton that I, I really want to add to the conversation with Dead Island 2. I think pretty much my thoughts last week are are still the same thoughts that I have this week. I think it's a I think it's an okay game. Like it's an okay 6.5 7. 6.5 to 7 out of 10 game in my experience. Uh, it was just very one note for me it was very very simplistic and there was i will say a nice kind of difficulty spike that like once again i'm not the biggest fan of overly difficult games but it was the game was so easy for for so long that the difficulty spike was actually kind of warranted and i was like okay that's justified i'm i'm down to actually think a little bit more in these battles and so I think the game got quite a bit more fun for like the last four hours. And it's a real short game. There's a lot of side questing you can do and stuff. And I, and I did some of it, but I just never felt all that compelled to go around and, and do a bunch of side questing. The characters aren't all that well written. You're, you you know what you're getting when you get when you pick up Dead Island 2. You're not jumping into this for some nail biter, some epic narrative or anything like that. It's fun, zombie slaughtering, uh, simplistic gameplay loops that you're that you're looking to engage with it, and if you're looking for something more than that uh, stay far away from dead island 2 but for f for what it did I, I i will say i was impressed technically 
that it ran so smoothly. I had very little to, to no issues with this game at all. I thought the shooting was fine. I thought the the parry system was was decent enough, fun enough. Uh, there there is a, a fun little twist midway or so through the game where you unlock a new ability that is fun to engage with. I won't spoil it just because I mean I don't think many of you really care, but the plot was decent enough, simple enough, okay cinematics, okay characters. Uh, I I. I Truth be told, man, it just, it really didn't click with me in any real meaningful way. It, it, it was a game that I had a hard time staying locked into for more than like an hour at a time. I would play it for about an hour and I was like, that's about all I can take of this. And I would just, you know, played it for an hour to maybe eight times, six, six to eight different playthroughs for an hour or two finished it up and I was like, okay, I, I'm happy to move on from this experience. I do think that some of the locations are cool. Like I talked about, I, th I think Venice Beach is, is excellent in that game. I, I love that recreation. I think it, it just, it looks amazing. Uh, the, the cityscape, the kind of interactable environments and the interactable hazards, the, the environmental hazards that are on offer in Venice Beach. I think that's the, the best location in the game by far. And there's a cool little section that that's in the, the main story and a side quest involving it where you're in this like movie set and there's like explosives you can hit and shit. Like th th there are some cool moments in dead Island too. Just overall, it's one of those games for me personally that didn't, it just didn't click with me all the way. Good enough, fine enough, like 7 out of 10 style experience. Uh, big, my, my biggest complaint with it is the investigation sequences. There's like moments where you're, they're, they're actually slowing down the game and forcing you to investigate like, like areas to find clues and shit. It's like, dude, what? You think you're the Witcher? What the fuck you got? Get, don't don't slow this down. That, that that it is it's so tedious to where like, oh, find this contraption underneath a desk. Find this switch underneath a desk. It's like, I, sure, man, sure. It, if if that's what you want to do, sure. It just was very tedious and broke up the the pace of the game that it already had, in my opinion, pacing issues because. It's, it's just very, very similar. It's fun enough. The gameplay is decent enough, but it's a very similar loop that you're repeating nonstop. I, I, I do like, you know, having a, an electric fucking uh, knife, a knife with a, you upgrade and you, you uh, have like an electrical element attached to it and you throw the knife into a pool with a bunch of zombies standing in the pool. You electrocute the shit out of all of them. That's never not going to be fun. But by and large, I would say it was just, it was an okay game. One that I, I wasn't miserable getting through, but there were definitely segments where I was like, I'm, I'm by the end of the whatever, 12 or so hours of me playing it, I was like, I'm, I'm very much ready to, to call this a wrap. It's objectively not bad, but did not land for me personally at all. Like no chance I'll ever replay this. All right. And, uh, 
I went back and played some damn high for rushed. I finished it up. I, I like I said, Dead Island Two was much shorter than I expected, and, and you know, finished it in fifteen hours or so. And then I was like, well, I had a few days until Jedi Survivor came out, so it's like High Five Rush is the number one like on my backlog of twenty twenty three games. The one that I was like, I, I did not give this a fair shake at all. And going back to it, I finished it up. I I booted the game up, and I was like, let me. I'm gonna pull up a YouTube playthrough to see where I'm at in terms of where am I versus how far do I have left to go. And I booted up a playthrough. I was like four hours and thirty minutes in, and the playthrough was only like seven hours long. So I was like, oh shit, dude, I'm I'm right next to the finish line. I'll I'll just burn through this in a couple days, and I did. And it, it's a, a, such a simple game to go back to. You know, it's so. It, there's just not a ton of mechanical complexity with Hi-Fi Rush. And I, I think that, you know, talking about Dead Island 2 and the simplicity there, it's just something about it with Hi-Fi Rush really worked with me. And I think it is because there's, you know, like Dying Light 2, there's so much on offer with the traversal, with the parkour systems. Like you're, you're constantly doing other things than just the battles because the battles are, are fine. It's a good, like first per first person melee uh, combat system in dying light too. But the majority of the fun, I would say really comes from the parkouring and running away from the zombies at night and shit. And like that, that that's a big thing missing in dead Island too. And along with not having, you know, not having fucking decision-making and, and a good narrative to follow regardless, not, not trying to rain on dead Island two parade, but the thing about hi-fi rush is yeah, it has, very, very simple battles. Like it's a rhythm based devil may cry inspired title that is really, really easy, really simple. The, I think where it becomes something more than that with hi-fi rush is that the platforming is top tier. So fun. And you get a different character later in the game, not to spoil anything, but she adds a new dynamic to the platforming that becomes like a time based loop where you're having to, to, you know, uh, do this on the fly platforming puzzle solving to get to the destination. And like that, it's just constantly so fun. The collectathon nature of it. You're, you're, it's such a fun, charming, inviting world that you want to explore every inch of every location. And you don't want to miss any of the collectibles. You want to, you know, grab up all the parts and all the gear. Like it, it's, it's just so fun, man. It's so fun. And the animation work in Hi-Fi Rush, it, this should have been greenlit to be a cartoon like the day it came out. It is top tier animation with, so, uh, once again, the characters are just so charming. You know, Chai and, and uh, Mac and like the, these characters are, are it would, would work so well in the form of a weekly episodic cartoon. They're... they're, they're just such a delight to be around. It's very similar, in my opinion, to like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. It, it has that very similar like ragtag thrown together crew that you end up just loving by the end of your experience. And yeah, I, I like I said, when I when I first played it, I'm awful at the at the parry system and the timing. I just I have the rhythm of a, a true fucking white boy. I I. And it's crazy because my dad is a, a fucking a great singer, very rhythmic, if that's even a word. He's very musically inclined. He is a great musician and, and has great rhythm. 
I ain't got none of that shit. That shit definitely skipped a fucking generation. I have zero of that. Can't, can't, uh, none of that. Zero. And so I, I was struggling with the, the, the parrying at, at the right time and dodging at the right time. And there's one boss in particular in the game where you literally, the, the entirety of it, is having to parry. And I, that probably took me... That, that one fight probably took me like 40 minutes. St the, the majority, like, because I, I was so conservative with the way I built Chai and the way I customized his character with the upgrades and shit. I went and got the, the health tank where if your health is full, anytime you grab a consumable, a consumable health item, you, it fills up this tank. And then at any moment, if you end up quote unquote dying in a, in a boss fight or in a fight in general, the health tank, it, it will deplete what is there and give that to Chai to where he, it pretty much revives him immediately. And so I, I had that. And then I also had that my special move was that Chai pops open a damn, uh, a, a Coke or a fucking a soda or an energy drink, whatever. And he consumes it. And it, it pretty much just completely replenishes his health. So I, I was just stacked up with health. So none of the, the boss encounters, none of the, like I, I breezed through all of that shit. No problem. The only issues I ever had were with the pairing and with the timing. I was so, so bad at that. And I love, you know, I've been playing character action games, hack and slash games forever. Uh, God of War and Devil May Cry and Bayonetta. Like I, I love those games. So I'm familiar with how to play those, but damn rhythm games. I'm so, so bad at it, but it didn't hurt my experience much at all. I mean, look, would I say that Hi-Fi Rush is a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 game? No, but but it, it's a fun, uh, like double A feeling, but so polished and so refined and so smooth that, that it you can actually feel the money behind it. Um, but it's short, it's linear, it's simple. It, but but it's I keep going back to this word charming and cozy and inviting and yeah I I had a great time with it by the end of the story I was totally invested in the characters and I'm really glad I went back and finished it like I said I think it's a good solid eight out of ten style game in my opinion all right so I'm gonna kick it over now to the uh, unnecessary news live thing the the clip that I pulled out from. The, the live stream, like I said, I just want to reiterate here, just want to warn you, the audio quality is going to take quite a, a quite a hit. The audio is not going to be great, but I think it's passable, and I, I just don't want to repeat myself about this Microsoft uh, Activision acquisition thing. So here's that. I, I hope you all enjoy that, and then we'll get on with the, the remakes. And, of course, the first story that we got to talk about is uh, the bummer. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about why it's a bummer in a second, but we have from, from Tom Warren here at the verge breaking Microsoft's Activision blizzard acquisition has been blocked by the CMA. The UK regulators say the merger would cause harm to competition in cloud gaming in the UK. Microsoft says it will appeal. And um, so of course, this has been the, the and the reason I say that this is a bummer isn't really because I care one way or the other if the deal goes through. It's a bummer because I'm bummed that we have to keep talking about this shit. You know, we're going to be talking about this into 2024 at this point. And 
I'm just ready to see Sony, to see Xbox, to see them get back out there peacocking with their chest out, showing you the exclusives, letting you know what's coming. And it seems that as of late with this acquisition, with this deal, they've been trying to be as conservative, be as reserved as possible and not really show you both of them, PlayStation and Xbox, not really show you what they got cooking up. And that bums me out because I really want to see like all the different exclusives, all the different games. Like I don't care about this deal one way or the other. The only reason I even somewhat care about the deal is because, well, for one, you know, Activision seemed to be an incredibly toxic place to work. And uh, of course you want people to be in the best workplace possible and, and clean up a lot of that toxicity that seemed to be surrounding Activision. Of course, that's, the obvious, but from a consumer standpoint, I'm like looking at Toys for Bob, I'm looking at Ravensoft, I'm looking at, you know, these other teams and, and you know, talking about Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake. I want to see a Tony Hawk Underground 1 and 2 remake. And so I'm looking at all these different teams who have been kind of relegated into this cog in the machine that is Call of Duty. And I'm like, fuck, you know, I really more than anything want these teams to be freed from that shackle and 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 go off and and you know get some new spyro content out there some new crash cut which we do have the the crash team was it crash team rumble i believe so we got some shit in the works but that that's kind of the only major and you know i'd like to see prototype one and two pop up on game pass i'd like to see maybe some of those classic activision titles pop up or the class classic activision tie-in titles pop up on game pass so that'd be like the only real reason i would root for the deal to go through other than that i don't really care one way or the other but it seems that a lot of the concern is regarding this this cloud infrastructure which we'll we'll get into here um i really want to read okay yeah, Microsoft had attempted to address concerns around cloud gaming in the lead up to this decision. The software giant signed cloud gaming deals with Boostroid, Ubitus, Ubitus, and NVIDIA to allow Xbox PC games to run on these rival cloud gaming services after striking a similar deal with Nintendo in December. These 10-year deals also include access to Call of Duty and other Activision Blizzard games if the deal is approved by regulators. The CMA says it has examined these deals, but they, but that they contain a number of significant shortcomings in cloud gaming services. The CMA says the deals are too limited in scope with models that meant gamers had to acquire the rights to play games by purchasing them on certain stores or subscribing to certain services. The deals didn't include agreements for Microsoft providing access to these games in rival multi-game subscription services or the ability for rivals to offer versions of games on PC operating systems other than Windows. The CMA also noted that, that the deals would standardize the terms and conditions on which games are available instead of open competition in the cloud gaming market. We concluded that without the merger, Activision games would become available on cloud gaming services in the UK in the near future. So it seems like everything is kind of in regards to this cloud uh, ecosystem that they're, they're worrying that Microsoft could possibly develop a monopoly over the cloud gaming ecosystem is seemingly what a lot of that reads there. Once again, I recommend following the Tom Warrens, the Benji sales, the uh, 
Hogue Laws, the, 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 you know, a lot of different outlets out there who are, or, you know, Michael Pactor, people who are analysts in the video game financial realm or just have a little bit more insight than I do to get into the specifics there, especially even with cloud. I don't, that's not my forte at all. But the interesting point that I saw today while scrolling through the old cesspool that is Twitter is, um, this little tidbit that I, I found very, very fascinating it says here, if this thing will load for Christopher Dring from gamesindustry.biz, he says, every analyst that we spoke to predicts Microsoft will end up spending the money on other studios and games, meaning the $68.7 billion that they spent on Activision Blizzard King. They, every analyst that gamesindustry.biz spoke to is saying that, that they think that the money will be spent on other games and other studios. So the implication here is, is very interesting. Where this could go is very interesting because are we looking at, what, what, what does studios mean? Does that mean developers, like individual developers that are not owned by a publisher or a larger entity? Because then you're looking at like, only a handful and none that you could buy almost almost everyone on the market who's independent and be under 68.7 billion dollars so it's like remedy cd project red i, I mean that there there's really not a ton i mean I, trying to think about teams they've had partnerships with in the past bloober maybe for you know they they had that exclusive deal for the medium um they're they're working with avalanche on that that contraband title you know the the uh, i i always get the two confused i believe avalanche software was the team that developed hogwarts and i think avalanche game studio is the team that that worked on mad max and just cause and is now working on the um contraband title so do you is that kind of the the avenues that you're looking to explore are you looking to go in and buy individual teams out of you know different publishing arms like are you looking to strike a deal with embracer to go and grab crystal dynamics is embracer looking to get back some of their 300 million dollars that they spent on that freaking steal of a deal last year with a uh, square enix you know, can you can you go in and grab up fucking Crystal Dynamics, who's leading up the development on Perfect Dark? Can you go and grab them for a hundred mil? Like, it's just an interesting theory there, which I'm sure it'd probably be even more than a hundred mil at this point. But it's it's like I, I I do kind of wonder what if Perfect Dark is a huge hit? Do you? possibly live in a world where perfect dark becomes a huge hit you green light a sequel for it immediately because it performs so well and you don't own the team that that led up the development for it or led up a lot of the development for it i wouldn't think that would be a position that, that microsoft would want to really find themselves in so of course, I'm not saying I, I doubt Embracer would be willing to sell Crystal Dynamics unless they got they got a great ass deal out of it, which would be hilarious if if Microsoft spent more to just acquire Crystal Dynamics than 
Embracer paid for the entire $300 million acquisition of Idos Montreal, the, the, the mobile team and, and crystal dynamics with like 40 fucking IP attached to it. Uh, you look at it, it EA, you know, could they go in and, and want to want to grab Bioware with all the issues that Bioware has had with EA in the past and all the hurdles and then, you know, the hoops that have been uh, had to jump through with um developing for the fucking was it the, the frostbite engine or whatever with with EA and Bioware's had so much trouble with that in the past. And there's been a lot of like open spats between EA EA executives and, and Bioware developers. Um so is that like a, a possibility, you know, um, is it, is it even cause you look at like EA or Xbox's history with Jade empire and, and Knights of the old Republic and these titles that, that were exclusive to Xbox at the time, it, well, console exclusive to Xbox at the time. And, you know, is there anywhere where you can go in and kind of make those like one-off acquisitions, those one-off deals to acquire a developer up under the, the, the big publishing arm? It's just, it, it, it's very, it's going to be interesting if this deal falls through for a lot of different reasons to, to see exactly what direction Xbox transitions to to make up that cost because once again you're talking about 68.7 billion dollars that's a ton of fucking money a ton of money and i'm not sure that there's uh, enough independent developers in the world for you for you to spend that money on and it says here as well you know spending money on on studios or uh, spending money on games as well as studios that's probably where a lot of that money is going to be spent just with like one-off third-party deals for exclusive rights to fucking, I don't know, you talking about, you know, acquiring publishers, maybe you, you, you start looking, okay, I'm going to get the one-off rights to the new Jet Set Radio Future game. I'm going to get the one-off rights to different shit that Sega has going on since they've had like an ongoing relationship there. Um and if if there is a possibility of acquiring like bigger publishers, you do look to a Sega who's kind of been like Xbox was sort of the the Dreamcast two, if you will, the the continuation of Sega's legacy with uh, Shenmue two coming to Xbox and and with Jet Set Radio Future coming exclusive to Xbox, and so they've they've had this ongoing relationship with Sega with Persona the classic Persona games just launching on Game Pass with Yakuza uh, launching or not launching but with uh, Yakuza coming to Game Pass and they they seem to have a strong relationship there but and also Sega just acquired that that mobile developer I forget the name um I think it was mobile developer for Angry Birds or Candy Crush it was a big time mobile developer and they acquired them to get more into the into the mobile space so is sega a, a possible reality where where we see microsoft acquiring sega is it a possible reality where we see microsoft acquiring ubisoft who who seems to be probably the most in need of acquisition of being acquired 
by, by anybody out there, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't mean to be so disrespectful to Ubisoft, but it's like, it's just a lot of blunders one after another, after another. And it would be nice to live in a world where we do see beyond good and evil Two release or hell imagine living in a world where we see beyond good and evil Two splinter cell, uh, Prince of Persia, all this stuff that would be great content for game pass. And once again, I'm typically not in favor of humongous acquisitions on this scale. I'm typically not in favor of spending billions and billions of dollars for one monolithic corporation to gobble up another monolithic corporation to develop this dystopic future where we're all living under three companies who rule the world. Like that shit sucks. But I don't know if we're talking about how to spend that money. Like what is Ubisoft? Ubisoft, you could probably grab them for $10 billion, I would think. So you're still left with $58.7 billion to spend, you know, and now you, you're not going to probably buy a EA or a Capcom or anything like that, because then you're looking at being in the exact same situation that you're in now, where the regulators are going to do the exact same thing that they did before. And it's like, can Madden go exclusively to uh, your cloud services or are those restrictions going to be enough to prevent regulators from stopping a deal if you tried to acquire EA or if you tried to acquire Take-Two, um, which I, I, it's, Activision's probably bigger than Take-Two, if I'm not mistaken. But regardless, like those EA, Take-Two, Activision, Blizzard, like those are, are a different league. But I, I think if they if they went to acquire a Ubisoft or a Sega, I don't think that would be met with quite as much pushback. Could be wrong. Um, I, I I truly truly don't know. I just I'm not an expert in this field. That uh, that is apparent. Uh, like I said, I would recommend going and following people who are. Uh, much more knowledgeable in this field to break this stuff down. But the, it, it, it like a Sobo would be an obvious one of, of a team that they would acquire, but I think they'll probably do that regardless. That's, you know, with Microsoft flight sim, Plague Tale Requiem and Innocence uh, with Requiem and flight sim, both being game pass day one titles. Um, th th there's not a ton of, of options. Well, I mean, there is a ton of options on the table, but not a ton I could think of that make a whole lot of sense other than these big like Warner Brothers, Sega, Ubisoft, Take-Two, EA to, to make up for that $68.7 billion uh, acquisition. If that, if you, if, if the deal does end up getting blocked, which it's not looking, not looking great. Okay, welcome back to uh, welcome back to to the actual show that we're recording here right now. Thank you for listening to the news section there about the the Microsoft thing. Um, so we are uh, two topics, two final topics to close out the show. Going to run through both of them fairly quickly here. Not try not to take up too much of your time. We're going to start it off with the ten remakes we need asap. The ten games I want remade soon. And I, I could probably put together a hundred more of these lists. There's so many games, so many classics that I want to see remade. But let's start it off here with number 10. And this is in no particular order. Just 10 games I want to see remade. First one, Death Row. 
For those of you who don't know what Death Row is, it, and I don't blame you, it's a really odd game, but it's so unique. It was a OG Xbox exclusive, might have been on PC as well, but it was console exclusive to the original Xbox. And this game is essentially, it's a sports game, like a, a, a totally unique brand new sport that was introduced for this game that blends football, hockey, and basketball all into this like very chaotic, hyper-violent, just wild-ass concoction of a sport. And I don't know, I, I just think a game like this could really make some cash in today's, you know, live service space. And really in the sports gaming space in general, because there's so, we're lacking uniqueness in that space or anybody trying anything all that innovative. Everything is, you know, NFL licensed, NBA licensed, NHL licensed. This is like, what was the, the it's reminiscent of something like a, a Rocket League, you know, but, but for a more mature audience that's okay with gritty, gory fucking violence taking place. And, but it's blending sports that we all know and love. And yeah, I'm not a live service game fan at all, but I think in terms of something that could get me into it, this death row game, I think would absolutely work for people like me who are really not into those games at all, but this just offers up something so unique where you have combat elements going on and you have the, the, you know, you're, you, you got the ball that you're palming and trying to throw it into the hoop while avoiding being tackled. And so it's like, it's familiar in the, the setup of what you're doing to achieve to, to, to win the game, but it's so unique in the, 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 like, it's so unique in just how it's incorporating and mashing everything up all together. So I don't know. I, I think this thing could really work in today's space, especially if it was modernized up a little bit, polished up a little bit, and maybe you could explore some of those combat elements a little bit more, um, you know, taking from your NHL blitzes and your, your, uh, or your NHL hits and your NFL blitz games and just allowing you to go to fucking war, beating the shit out of each other, having like a, you know, having, having a section of the game that's just that after, you know, each quarter you get to go and engage in like a straight up brawl or some shit. And then the winner of that brawl gets some benefit or some boost going into the second quarter. Like there's cool ways you can tinker with that format and come up with something that, that I think would be really cool in today's like live service marketplace, which you know, I'm not a fan of inherently, but I do think that that would be a cool game to see brought back in that space. Number nine, or or next up, this is in no order. The Godfather for the PS2. Such an underrated open world Grand Theft Auto inspired title. Not enough people talk about this. I don't think enough people know about this game for the PS2. It was really great. You got to create a character and take him into the world of the Godfather, experiencing some of the most iconic moments from uh, the films. And I just, I, I, it's a bummer to me that these gangster style movies just completely uh, have not been like adapted into video games since that era. And yeah, I, I would just love to see something like this come back where you create a character, get to experience some of the, the big moments from the Godfather movie. Like it could literally be a straight up remake or which once again, I licensing issues, all that. I, I'm sure that would be a nightmare, but to just have a, a 
a Godfather licensed game that's a very similar setup to this, but getting to experience that shit with modern graphical fidelity and like I, I just think that would be so so sick, especially with a you know a modern GTA inspired open world to go and explore and yeah I I, I would absolutely love that. I loved the the in, in the Godfather they had where. It's, I shouldn't say business management because it's literally you're going into people's businesses and you're just roughing these motherfuckers up, trying to get more money out of them. Just, just vile shit. But it was so fun. It was like a little mini game added in there where you're going and roughing up their shop and you, you, you can't go too far, but you got to get like that right amount so that you can, the, you'll increase the amount of money that they're willing to give you. So silly, so fun. I loved the damn Godfather on the PS2. We, we got to see that come back. Next one I'm going to run through really quick here. I've talked about this next one a million and 45 fucking times. Dino Crisis and, and, and Resident Evil Code Veronica. Capcom, you're running out of remakes. Go remake Resident Evil 1. I know you're going to remake the remake. I'm all there for that. I would absolutely love that. After that, let, 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 let's not jump to Resident Evil 5. Let's go Code Veronica, then Dino Crisis. It's what the people want, man. I, the people that were clamoring for some damn Dino Crisis. Dino Crisis might be number one, honestly. I just I want to see some I want to see some modern dinosaur horror going on. I think that would just be so sick today, running on the the uh, RE engine, seeing the the big ass dinosaurs with the kind of nemesis mechanics where they're chasing you and the spontaneous you know popping up out of nowhere similar to how like Mr. X was in Resident Evil 2 and kind of how Nemesis was in RE3, but that was a little bit more, you know, a little bit more planned um, in, in RE3, but the spontaneous sort of battles that could take place and shit, it would just be so cool to see that in, in um, on modern consoles. But but Code Veronica 2, that's a story that needs to be told. It's a, it's a great, great Claire story. It's... Um, I, I just love the, the Ashford family. I love the setup that they have there with Wesker and it, it's a very, very difficult, inaccessible game. I mean, you can play it on modern systems and shit, but it's, it's really, really hard. So to see that cleaned up and polished up a little bit more. Yeah. I, I we got to see Dino crisis and code Veronica at some point. And I think we will. I think Capcom knows there's a lot of money on the table there. Next up Simpsons hit and run. Once again, talking about license games. And I, I think I have one more licensed game on the list here or two technically but simpsons hit and run uh this th there's been rumors of this returning for a while but it lately it seems to have kind of died out completely um but uh, this for me was uh, an all-time classic on the ps2 once again a gta inspired open world but getting to explore springfield you're, you're going around with Homer and Bart, all these iconic characters while, while driving around and doing street races. And, uh, you know, you can get out on foot and kind of engage in some, some light combat and, uh, you know, chase down collectibles and shit. It's just a ridiculously fun, awesome license game that came out in an era of really rough license games. And this was one that, that absolutely avoided that curse. And, just once again, talking about the seeing this modernized, seeing a modern version of Springfield running that on your PS5, on your Series X. I just think that would be so cool. And it seems that the Simpsons maybe aren't as relevant as they used to be, of course. But I, I think that the fanfare is there. If, if this was, And this is one that I don't think I would really want to see a reboot or a 
spiritual successor or like I would want a full on remake because I think the name alone Simpsons Hit and Run I think that holds a lot of weight so I I would want to see it come back as just Simpsons Hit and Run the the, the remake or just straight up Simpsons Hit and Run I, I, I you know how like Resident Evil 2 it's not Resident Evil 2 remake it's just Resident Evil 2 now so I would love to see something like that for Simpsons Hit and Run next up kind of a licensed game kind of I, whatever you want to call it Tony Hawk's underground one and two and talking about uh great fucking remakes tony hawk pro skater one and two in, in 2020 i believe so so solid incredible incredible remake staying true so true to the original but improving it modernizing it in every way taking the best mechanics from some of the later tony hawk pro skater games introducing those into one and two that weren't there originally and i just i for me personally i always i always enjoyed underground a little bit more because i'm such a big fan of open worlds and you know getting the the creative character getting the the uh, having the the voice acting in there having the the ability to like hop off of your board and a, a real storyline to follow along with like i i really really loved underground one and two one was a little bit more grounded two was so silly and over the top and uh yeah i, I would love to see bro both of them brought back i could see that maybe being a little bit more difficult than like the uh, tony hawk pro skater one and two package so maybe a, a one remake would suffice and then if that did well maybe get uh, underground two made possibly but one would be fine with me just tony hawk underground one remake would love to see that next up parasite eve a game that could maybe benefit from a remake more than almost anything on the market that game is tailor-made for modern audiences tailor-made for modern audiences with the renaissance of survival horror in the triple a space and this story for Parasite Eve, it's this, this, uh, scientifically, uh, fucking the, the, the scientific intrigue there with the horror elements combined and the Parasite Eve, it, it had no voice acting on the PS one. So getting to have all of that lore told to you with some solid voice acting and, and great performances there with some damn good motion capture. And this doesn't, I'm not saying this has to be a $200 million production by, by Square Enix because Lord knows that every goddamn time they put money into a game, they call it a failure. But even if this was a smaller scale title with some just good voice acting and um, some decent production value, and, and obviously, you know, moving away from the turn-based combat, going to uh, the Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3, uh, RE4 style, well, We'll go more RE2 because of the strict uh, survival horror focus to that gameplay. Having that in a Parasite Eve remake would be absolutely fucking phenomenal. And I really do think if they wanted to pour money into it and have that, you know, like small open world, have that a little bit more more explorable where, you know, in, in the original, you just kind of you pick the destination and, and you travel to it. And like, but but imagine actually being able to traverse to those locations would just be so sick. Next up, Knights of the Old Republic. And I know that this is uh, allegedly in the works, but I think we all know that that's probably never going to see the light of day, unfortunately. I, I And it's such a bummer because similar to Parasite Eve, I, I can't really think of any game I've played ever 
that I would like to see remade more than Knights of the Old Republic and Parasite Eve. And once again, the what we heard that Aspire was attempting to do just had, man, it had my attention. It had my ears perked up. I was ready. They were taking inspiration from Final Fantasy VII, the remake supposedly, with like having the mild turn-based strategic element there, but really leaning into the, the action-oriented combat. Imagine, imagine that, dude. Having the decision-making, having the Bioware-heavy narrative that they delivered in the Knights of the Old Republic, the, the original game, but with the, the, the fucking great action gameplay that you got from final fantasy 7 remake and being able to pull all that shit off from knights of the old republic in real-time combat would golly that would just be so sick it would be so sick a, a dream remake and whenever it got announced that that it was kind of in development hell with aspire being pulled from it and saber active being put on it and it just it, it bummed me out it really really bummed me out because that that's a game that that i i would just love to see that thing remade and I, I don't think it's going to happen so once again 10 remakes we need asap i'm going to throw knights of the old republic on there because i i think if we're ever going to see it, it it's probably going to have to be a remade version of this remake so hopefully it, it sees the light of day but I, i'm not my hopes are not too high on that i would love to be proven wrong and i you guys know when i take an l i'll eat it i'll wear it i I will happily take that L if we can see KOTOR pop back up at some point. Next up, Legacy of Kane. The fucking, the, the whole series, the Blood Omens, the fucking, all that shit. This is a series that is so appealing to me. And everything else that I've talked about here, I've played all these games. Legacy of Kane, I, I I know I have played them, I'm sure. Like, I see the box art, I, 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 I'm sure I rented it at some point at Blockbuster, but I have no memories of these games. So it's like, I just want to jump back into them so bad, but there are a lot of these motherfuckers, like a lot of games that I have to go and track down. And, you know, from the PS1, the PS2, like it would just be so nice to have a complete package or a rebooted version of Legacy of Kane that kind of combines a lot of these stories together. And you just get like this one epic 70 hour adventure or, you know, just you know, we can keep it simple. Remake. The, the, the first one, start there, nice eight-hour game, then go to the second and the third, and however the fuck it was laid out, but just this vampiric fucking mild horror influence with the hack-and-slash gameplay, and the, the the tone just looks so cool. It just looks so, so sick, and I mean, I know Embracer is um talking about wanting to, to remake those games or reboot them in some form or fashion, and... So I'm, I'm hoping that I can just hold off a little bit and that we will get these remakes. But if, if we don't start hearing some rumblings on that at some point, I'm just going to have to go find all the old games and uh, do a real replay or, or first time playthrough, honestly, uh, of those games. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that by 2024 or so, we'll have an announcement for those remakes. I, I think we will have at least an announcement for like the first remake or a reboot of the franchise. I, I, I do believe we'll see that sometime soon. All right. Next up, uh, another one that comes with a little bit of an, of an asterisk metal gear solid one through three. I know three is like the big rumor that it, it, it's in the works. I don't understand why metal gear solid one isn't being remade first. I know like 
technically MGS3 is the first game, but like the way that it was told originally just made more sense to me. I think like, I feel like you have to have the knowledge or the investment from one and two to really appreciate three. But uh, I'm sure that there's some way if Blue Point's working on it, I'm, I'm sure, you know, working alongside Konami, I'm sure that they can figure out some way of, of tying shit up and making it all make sense. But I'm just, my big fear is, once again, similar with Konami, Silent Hill 1 not getting remade, but 2 getting remade. And it's like, I really, really hope that MGS1 isn't like off the table for a remake or MGS2 isn't off the table for a remake. I, I definitely would have would have much preferred to go MGS1, 2, 3, Silent Hill 1, 2, 3, uh, however they ended up doing that. Uh, remake them in the, in the order, you know, but... Once again, you can kind of argue with Resident Evil 2 being remade and not the remake of 1 that that sets a kind of weird precedent there. But you're talking about remaking. A re Regardless, Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2, I, I, I really do hope we get those remakes as well as 3. And I, you know, fucking A, we don't know if 3 is a real thing yet or not. So I, I'm, I'm including that in there as well, because all we have to go off right now about MGS3 are a bunch of rumors. Konami does seem to be back in the game licensing out their titles and then striving to, to get these on modern consoles remade and then modernized and to the liking of the current audience. So I'm hoping that, that that is the case, but also metal gear solid four locked to the fucking PlayStation three, get that damn thing off and then, then remake that motherfucker as well. It might as well. And finally to close off the list, I should have put this together with KOTOR, but Star Wars Bounty Hunter. And I know that this is a weird one because I'm, I'm not saying a direct remake of that game, but just a new Star Wars Bounty Hunter game. We we need to see a new Star Wars Bounty Hunter game. It's You're talking about the huge success of The Mandalorian. It became a humongous hit television series. And no Bounty Hunter games? And EA, there, there's no EA shackles attached to the Star Wars license at this point. You would think that by now we would have an announcement for a big, high-budget Star Wars Bounty Hunter title. I know that I think Amy Henning is working on a Star Wars game, which I could see that being a Bounty Hunter game with based off of her expertise in the past, or you know, which she's, uh, I, I believe, the if I'm not mistaken, like a lead writer for the Star Wars game. Once again, correct me if I'm wrong on on this shit, but uh, yeah, you know, it, I could see that game potentially being a Bounty Hunter game. Ubisoft has that open world. Star Wars game, but for some reason I'm feeling like that might be, I don't know. I think a bounty hunter game could be, could possibly be the, the open world game, especially if they have, you know, vehicles and shit that they're exploring around with. But with, uh, I could also see that, see that being another Jedi game with, with uh, just the, the third person sort of melee pedigree that, um, but I, I do believe if I'm not mistaken, that it's the team that made the division that is is working on the Star Wars Ubisoft game. Once again, correct me in the comments if I'm wrong on all this shit going off the top of my dome here. But regardless of all that, 
a Star Wars bounty hunter game. I do hope that there's one in the works. I have a hard time believing that there's not anything at all in the works. And I just loved that PS2 game, you know, having the jetpack and the, that was kind of like the puzzle solving, uh, traversal puzzle solving where you have the fuel and you can't use up too much of the fuel to get to your, your, the next platform that you're trying to reach. So you're timing everything out perfectly. And the strategy that was involved in that and the shooting was, was solid enough. And I, I just, I really, really enjoyed that, that PS2 Star Wars bounty hunter game. So something similar to that, I, I would love to see that remake. So those are the 10 remakes that we need to see ASAP Rocky. I hope that we get at least a few of these. I think we will get a couple of these for sure, but most of them probably pipe dreams, but that's okay. All right. Rapid fire running through these top 10 PlayStation four games already running pretty long here. Going to run through these real quick. Get out your hair. Number 10, the evil Dim one incredible survival horror game like true survival horror game with psychological horror elements fused in there as well uh, great main boss with ruvik great fucking boss battle one of my favorite survival horror boss battles of all time the uh i believe the second encounter with laura the the setup there where you're you're trying to strategically plan out how you're going to incinerate her and fucking burn her ass alive and, and th there's also such a great focus of being able to escape boss encounters and just trying to make it out alive like the key element of survival you know just trying to escape and get out alive and not enough survival horror games implement that that the the escape elements and and you can actually just get out of boss fights a couple times in the evil within one which i thought was was great number nine assassin's creed odyssey i jumped into it purely because it it had decision making and I'm a sucker for decision making. I thought the decision making was pretty good in in Odyssey, not great, but pretty damn good. Uh, a couple moments that were really really stand out, really memorable, you know, just I I love just exploring, you know. It's such a vibrant beautiful world and you're diving down into the the fucking depths of the ocean and finding this hidden cave and the combat loop was satisfying, was fun. It's it's simple. It's it's, you know, your Assassin's Creed combat loop, but it was good. It was a game that I played for over 70 hours and I, I was always having fun with. So number nine, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Number eight, The Outer Worlds. I like this more than any Bethesda game. I'm just going to put it up front right there. Obsidian uh, knocked it out of the park. Uh, it was a much more intimate setting with with uh, The Outer Worlds, smaller scale locations, but still explorable in their own kind of minor open endedness minor open worlds but but the these smaller planets that they just felt a lot more intimate the characters that you get to know throughout the journey and the decisions that you make and and you know even later in the game you're helping people out on there they're going on dates and shit but it, it's it's not all just silliness like you can straight up decide the fate of characters immediately when you first interact with them it is that kind of agency that that uh, you know from your bethesda and your obsidian games where you can pretty much do whatever the fuck you want in these worlds and then they try to offer you up that freedom and yeah it, it i thought the, the gunplay was exceptional for this style of rpg much better than far cry 3 and far cry 4 in my opinion and it's it you got to do the comparisons there because they're 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 obvious comparisons but to me it, I, I just like this more than than the uh did I say Far Cry? I meant the uh, Fallout games. They're there. I, I I enjoy the Outer Worlds more than the uh, more than the Fallout games, in my personal opinion. Number seven, Horizon Zero Dawn. Excellent 
storytelling. Storytelling here is, is what, what sells it. To me, the gameplay is so much better in Forbidden West across the board. The exploration, the traversal, the climbing, the underwater mechanics, the fucking flying, like everything was better in Forbidden West. But the story, I still stand by that story in Zero Dawn as being like an all-time classic. You know, Aloy finding the focus and kind of figuring out what her role in this is, why she is here, who she actually is, and then having that knowledge that is kind of... Um, in in a way, it, it's very powerful, but in a way, it's also stifling to her, and it's something that she seems to wrestle with if she even wants to know what she knows when she finds that focus and is is accessing the the knowledge that she previously, you know, did not have, and uh, so it, it's that weird dilemma of. Is being over-informed worse than being uninformed? You know, so it's it's a it's just a great story. Love uh, everything about Horizon Zero Dawn story, and I like it much more than Forbidden West story. But Forbidden West, I still think, is a much better game. Number six, Ghost of Tsushima, the Assassin's Creed game that should have been made a long time ago. This feudal Japan, um, fucking. Just the, the the color palettes, the art direction, the art style is one of one, man. The, the choice of color, the use of color is better in this open world than maybe any open world game ever. It is so, so gorgeous. And the gameplay is so fun, taking a lot of inspiration from the Arkham style combat, but, you know, switching your stances and having the duels and, uh, you know, drawing the sword at the perfect time. And the final decision, so weighty, such a huge impact. And I, I just, I really, really loved Ghost of Tsushima. I think in terms of... Uh, Moment-to-moment -moment gameplay, it's about as good as anything Sony First Party has ever put out. So, Ghost of Tsushima, number six. Number five, speaking about as good as anything Sony First Party has put out in, in terms of gameplay, Spider-Man, Insomniac's Spider-Man. The, once again, the, the open-world mechanics swinging around, just, in, like I said, inspired by the Arkham games, obviously, but fusing in the Spider-Man agility and, and, and those abilities into the core combat, opposed to kind of the tank-based approach that you get from Batman, it, it works so, so well. It was just such a seamless uh, experience in terms of the gameplay. It, it, it feels as good as you could ever expect a Spider-Man game to feel from, like I said, the web swinging to the combat. But the real thing that surprised me more than all of that, because, you, you, you know, Spider-Man 2 for the PS2, like, that nailed open world traversal Batman Arkham that nailed kind of superhero based combat games and counter based combat games. But what really surprised me and the thing that stands out more than anything else is I think this is one of the best superhero stories that's ever been told just in general. You have the, the saga with aunt may and how the villain kind of wraps into her workplace and the, once again, talking about intimate storylines, it's, really on offer with insomniac spider-man very very shocking revelations throughout the game and you know the the epic fucking journey with doc ock and these characters that you you've known for years and years that just a real great spin that the insomniac writers put on these characters that that are, are not things that you know i've ever seen 
in the in the films or in the you know television series and shit. So, yeah, I I loved the the I loved that story and Insomniac Spider-Man. And I like Miles Morales' story quite a bit as well, but I, something about that that it just felt like an epic journey for 2018 Spider-Man. Can't wait to see where they go with the sequel. Number 4, Uncharted 4. This is my favorite PlayStation 4 exclusive. It is a it was just a technical showpiece. Like when I cuz you're you're talking I think it came out in 2016. And I love Lost Legacy as well, so kind of throw that in there also. But Uncharted 4, when I played it in 2016, I, I never played the Uncharted games before it. So I really didn't even know, like, I, I it, it wrapped up excellently well. I knew the story was told really well, but I didn't understand the importance of Nathan Drake, his character, and why the, 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 the saga and why that, that, that final sort of conclusion to his journey why it held so much weight. So I even have more appreciation for it now than I did then, but just the technical wow factor when I played it, because I was just kind of getting back into games at this time and the technical wow factor of the Jeep, the, the chase scene with the Jeep and, you know, swinging through the fucking, uh, whatever that wooden barricade or whatever. And like, there was just the densely populated city at the beginning of the game. And, you know, kind of just rustling through the city and like, you're, you're, you're shimmying along and people are blocking you off and you're, you're trying to like, like walk past them and it just felt so interactive. Like every, everything that every movement, every motion that Nathan Drake made when you were controlling him felt so lifelike. It was surreal experiencing that for the first time. And you know, the, the, the gameplay, the moment to moment gameplay is, is good. It, it's really, really good. But to me, it's, it's just more of the, the technical kind of, Oh my God, how many times I said, Oh my fucking God, when you're looking at these vistas and you're, you know, the verticality to Uncharted 4 and just the, the climbing and the swinging and like, it, it, it really did feel like a next generation game. And it was like the first game that I played where I was like, holy shit, this is pushing my damn system to, to, to its limits. And yeah, love some Uncharted 4. Number three, The Witcher 3. I'm not a guy that puts hundreds of hours into games, but I've put over a hundred hours into the Witcher three. And, uh, it's a game that I absolutely will be playing again at some point in my life. The, it's just it, one of the greatest stories I've ever experienced, probably top three, top five favorite stories I've ever experienced in a game, the journey of, of Geralt and Siri, and, you know, kind of similar to the, the Joel and Ellie situation, this, uh, not exactly my daughter, but taking on the role of a father figure, but then being morally complicated in the same way that Joel is where Geralt, but, but the, the key factor is you kind of get to decide where you're going to, uh, where your moral compass is pointing. You know, if you want to walk in, in the gray area, you can do that. If you want to walk in the, in the evil area, in the fucking, you want to be good. Like you can, you can pick all that shit as Geralt. And I, I just, I, I love that freedom. Like I said, decision-making is my, one of my favorite things in gaming. And I love when it's so unbridled, unshackled and giving you, letting you really make your choices in the game world. And there's just so many iconic, iconic moments 
of of that where you know i i bring this one up all the time but it just sticks out in my, my memory so much of you you go into this uh, negotiation and you you hear your friend being tortured and you kind of planned all this to go this way but it's like so visceral when you hear it and you you have the option of cutting the negotiation short and just wrecking shop but you're like fuck i came here with a purpose we already planned for this to take place what do i do but in that moment you get to make those decisions i just Love it. Blood and wine, uh, hearts and stone. I, all of it. Fucking great. Number two, the evil within two. I think that this is the best survival horror game, maybe since resident evil two in 1998, uh, from, from, you know, when it came out in 2017, I think the evil within two, 2017, if I'm not mistaken, it it's taking such inspiration from the last of us and just benefits from it greatly benefits from it. So, so greatly. It is a, uh, a much scarier, I would say version of the last of us with this open world. That's constantly evolving and introducing more and more threats and then higher degree of threats as you progress through the game. And the open world is supposed to be kind of your safe haven to go out and get resources, but it becomes more intimidating, more threatening over the course of the game while also providing you with a linear pathway to the main story. And it, it, it just is all combined together so well. The gameplay improvements from one to two are drastic. The stealth improvements are drastic. The shooting is much better. I think the the final like seg the final section of the Evil Within Two, the story just wraps up beautifully. And yeah, I hope we get a third one. Not holding my breath. Number one, obviously, Red Dead Redemption Two. I've said it a million times, but if you had to ask me, like, what is the greatest video game of all time, I would say instantly Red Dead Redemption 2. Just, like, objective greatness, I don't know if you can surpass this. It is unbelievable. Unfucking believable and i think it's the best gameplay that any rockstar game has ever had along with probably the best story that any rockstar game has ever had which is crazy to think that all those improvements were made simultaneously to the story and the gameplay to give total like like the total package of the greatest rockstar game ever made san andreas will always be like my personal nostalgic favorite but objective greatness you can't top Red Dead Redemption 2. The melee combat is is fucking really solid. The shooting is much better than any other Rockstar game. The um uh, the immersive aspects of Red Dead Redemption 2 of preparing for whatever climate you're about to endure as you're on your journey as you're traveling, you know, uh, go, heading to the damn tip jar when you get back to camp and going off and going fishing trying to catch the rarest fish trying to yeah, you know, get, kill the fucking rarest hunt bringing that back to camp having that camaraderie with the 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 dutch and crew and then great arc there with dutch fucking worst villain but best villain ever with with micah and um what else needs to be said red dead redemption 2 is in my opinion the best playstation 4 game ever made let me know in the comments hit me with your list hit me with your suggestions all that good shit and uh, that's it for the show today uh, a little bit of a long one so I, I apologize for that but had to hit those topics man we can't i can't be having no ties with and and, and you know moseying on about my way into just swiping one off to the side we got to do both we gotta we we, we gotta be democratic to the people we got to be true to the people and when the people vote 
if it ends up in a tie, we cover both the topics because uh, that's uh, words. I don't know. I'm out of them. Appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Goodbye.